Our scripture reading today comes from Acts 1, 8 through 11. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of the Lord. I'm reminded of the newness of this year and the newness of life uh, by celebrating the rosebud right over here. You might not have seen that in your worship order, but it's in celebration of the birth of Trip William Mayfield, uh, young man, uh, son of Julie and Tyler, and obviously Tessa is the big sister, so we celebrate with the Mayfields. We'll make sure that they get that rosebud knowing that we celebrated with them today. And I, I'm sorry, but and I hope you don't mind me uh, pointing it out, but, but, but Amanda Sharp, just having you come up and read scripture, where are you, Amanda? That's just cool, just given you know, your journey as of late and how uh, God offers us new beginnings and new life, and uh, that just made my Sunday, so I thank you for that. Connect where you are. Uh, read recently about an abbot in a monastery who had a new novice monk, a young monk who was just getting started, and the abbot told him he was going to deliver the homily, the sermon, uh, at chapel the next morning. Well, this fellow was new to all that, and he was scared to death. And he got up there in chapel the next morning. They had chapel every morning. He got up and, and, and white-knuckled the pulpit, and his hands were trembling, his knees were knocking, his voice was quivering. It was this long pause, and he was just bug-eyed. And finally, he just looked up and said, Do you know what I'm going to say? All the brothers sitting out there shook their heads, no. He said, well, neither do I. Let's stand for the benediction. <laughs> well, the abbot was patient with him and said, okay, you know, don't do that again. Let's do it right tomorrow. You, you, you know, you'll get another chance in the morning. So next day, it was almost an exact repeat, though. The brothers were waiting again. He was white-knuckling the pulpit. He was trembling, knees knocking, long pause. And he said, do you know what I'm going to say? And after the day before, they had a pretty good idea, so they nodded their heads, and he said, then there's no need for me to tell you. Let's stand for the benediction. Well, the abbot had, had enough of that. He was rather furious, and he went up to him, and he said, if you do that again, you are in solitary confinement for 30 days, only bread and water, and that's it. You're going to give the homily again tomorrow, and you're going to do it right. Well, the third day, the chapel was unusually full. Uh, it was more than they had ever had. They wanted to see what this guy was going to do. And everyone there was wondering what he was going to say. And again, he's trembling, voice quivering. And there was this long pause. And he said, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, after three days of this, half of them had a pretty good idea what he was going to say. So they nodded their heads. But others had noticed that he had switched each day, so they weren't sure, so they shook their heads no. Half of them nodding their heads, half of them shaking their heads no. And he said, well, let those who know tell those who don't. Let's stand for the benediction. <laughs> now, we can be like that young monk. We have the blessing of sharing the gospel, of connecting with people 
who live around us, we have this wonderful opportunity to connect with people who are our neighbors, who are in our communities, who work with us, who go to school with us, but we're hesitant to do so. We, we are fearful. And like the monks, really, we can sequester ourselves off from doing that, you know, and just, just you know, kind of having a wonderful community among ourselves and maybe doing good mission work off in the distance, but kind of keeping ourselves at arm's length from people whom we see every day. And it's almost like we we take up the mantra, that last mantra that that the monk said, you know, let those who know tell those who don't. You're just telling everybody else to do it. Don't get me involved. Let me sit back. You know, we are at Brookwood a missional people. I've never been at a more missional place church. Sometimes I tell people that we're just a missions-crazed church, and that's just great. We're incredible at going across town, whether it's to Truvine or Empower or other ministries. We're incredible going out of state, if it's Builders for Christ or some other mission trip, like the one that, ones that the youth go on. We're great going across the planet, whether it's Mongolia or, or, or South Africa or, or Rio, wherever it might be. We're incredible at that, but I want us this year especially, to, 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 to give more time to talk about how we can connect with people with whom we live, with whom we work, with whom we interact on a regular basis, connecting. Now, if you've ever been uh, in an airport or maybe hiking on a trail or in a mall, and you're trying to get somewhere and determine where you need to go, before you do that, first you had to stop and look at a map that they might have had up there. And the map usually would have a red dot that would say what? It would say, you are here. You are here. And it becomes a point of reference. It's a starting point that helps you get where you need to go. And that's really God's word to you and to me this morning is, you are here. Now get going. You are here. This is your place of ministry. This is the direction you need to go. Just whoever you come into contact with next. Do you remember Acts 1-8, which was read just a moment ago by Amanda? Uh, Jesus, this is after Jesus has risen. He's been with them for 40 days in his risen state. And this is the last word that he offers to the disciples. And again, let's read it again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now that's a great motivational talk when he's getting ready to leave. To me, that's like a coach in the locker room, you know, just getting you ready for the game. And I mean, you're going to witness to everybody. You're going to go across the planet. This gospel is going to spread. And you would think that the disciples would be all fired up. They would run down that mountain and run through a couple of walls and be high-fiving each other and be ready to get going. But that isn't what happens. Look at verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And they were just standing there with gaping mouths and and fingers pointing upward and craning their necks, and they're like, what do we do now? Does that end our time with Jesus? And you can picture them just kind of staring, wondering, what do we do now? But look at verses 10 and 11 here. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? They're saying, you are here. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. He's saying, you're here. Be about his business now. Do what he's told you to do. 
You know, they're in Jerusalem. That's where they're supposed to start. Start right there, connect there. They had just been standing there. And it took these two men to say, get going. You are here. You are here. Well, Brookwood friends, Brookwood tribe, you are here. This is where God has planted you. This is where your neighborhood is. This is where your place of work is. Um, This is the school you attend. This is the church, obviously, you attend. God's planted you here where he expects you to go and make contacts, make connects, yes, with with the unchurched and with the de-churched, we could call them, people who just kind of are fed up with church, rather jaded by the church, or have just kind kind of, you know, gotten out of the habit of being a part of a connecting church. And that's why we're here. If that's the case, that we need to be better at connecting. I think there are three important habits that you and I need to develop in the weeks and months and really years to come. And first of all, we need to be present. In order to be good connectors, we've got to be present. You've heard somebody say, wherever you are, be all there. And that's a good word. Look at an earlier verse, verse 6. Says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus really says, number one, you don't really know what you're talking about there. It's more than an earthly kingdom. But secondly, he's saying, hey, this is your job now. Don't ask me if I'm going to do this. I'm passing the baton on to you. And now a lot of it is your responsibility. I'm with you, but I'm passing on the baton, and you need to get going. And it starts with where you live. You disciples need to connect where you are. You are here. So get going. And and let me just say, that's what we're called to do as well. And let me just say this, and if you don't hear much of anything else I say, you are hardwired for this. (laughs) You are hardwired for connecting with others. Yes, connecting with the unchurched, the de-churched. The unbelievers. We're created by, for this. And, and a lot of times we're created for this not just because of our own talents, but because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So appreciated, Brian, you giving that emphasis on the Holy Spirit, Acts 1 8. It's fascinating to me when Jesus finally breaks into the, to the disciples, you know, hey, I'm leaving soon. Look at, look at uh, John 14, excuse me, John 16 7. Because Jesus has just broken it to them. I'm leaving you. And I'm sure they're like, oh no. What do we do now? But look at what Jesus says. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. What? It is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Now that's the New Living Translation. Advocate often says Holy Spirit, about whom we sung earlier. Uh, Sometimes it says the counselor. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about the meaning of the word Holy Spirit, paraclete in in, in, uh, the Greek. It it means the one who walks alongside you or the one who walks within you. Okay, if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Uh, One translation says, uh, it's better for you that I leave. It's better for you that I leave. Why? Why does Jesus say that? Because... He's going to give you something even better. You know, Jesus has been with them in flesh and bone, flesh and blood physically, but now it's going to be even better. Why? Because when I send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, he will walk within you. He will dwell within you. That's even closer than me standing beside you in human form. 
That's even more present. Talk about being present. I am even more present within you. And because of that, you are hardwired by the Holy Spirit, Jesus within you, to go and reach others for his sake. You can't get any more present than that. And therefore, we need not be nervous uh, uh, or scared about it. And there might be some awkwardness to sharing the gospel with people, but that, that comes with the territory, and we've talked about the need to be awkward. But I want you to consider the receptivity of people that you might be misjudging. It's interesting, just recently, uh, Wheaton College did a survey uh, in sync with, uh, with uh, Lifeway, uh, the Southern Baptist Organization, and this was interesting. Among unchurched Americans, they asked unchurched Americans, if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it, basically saying, are you okay with that? Is, does this a statement reflect the truth with you? If a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. 79, almost 80% say, yeah, that's fine. I'm good with that. 80% disagree, two, or 3% rather not sure. Almost 80% are like, yeah, I'm good with that. I'll respect that. Uh, that should be encouraging for you and me. In fact, we should be encouraged and emboldened even with the people who disagree with that and don't even want to hear it. But think about that. Among Americans who are unchurched, they would be fine with you going up and talking to them and inviting them to church and sharing whatever it is you feel led to share about the gospel and about knowing Christ. Which brings us to the Connect cards. Now, you got one. Look at your Connect card again. I know we've talked about this. And I just want to talk about just a five-point means by which I want us to go about this this year. First of all, First of all, first thing you need to do is find them. Find that person you need to reach. And, and I know that, that sounds real basic, but, but really, in a prayerful, discerning way, just as Blake led us a few moments ago, who is that one person? And what I found interesting, and I promise this is true, just last night I was reading in Baptist Press, and apparently the new big emphasis among Baptist associations, Birmingham Association, who's our, uh, 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 Mark Coggin, right? He's our guy. Uh, who connects with uh, Birmingham Baptist Association. Apparently, on a national scale, Baptist associations, you know what the theme this year is? Who's your one? Who's your one person you need to reach during 2019? Now, I don't want us to wait till uh, the end of 2019. In fact, I would like for you to really commit to, to connecting with someone within this 40 days of prayer where we're praying very, very focused and fervently for that. But you find them. Okay, so you find them. Secondly, you friend them. You friend them. I'm not talking about Facebook, but I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're f making friends with them. And by the way, let me put it this way, and I know that maybe on, on occasion on Wednesday nights, at least with my group, uh, you know, when we're connecting with people uh, through email and letters, whatever it might be, people who are prospects, and we might go visit them. I want you to consider it this way, though, because really, uh, the, the programmatic kind of visits are not, they don't just seem to work as well anymore. So let me say this, first of all, make friends, not visits. Make friends, not visits. You, you develop, develop that relationship. It's not a matter of going door to door and knocking. You can do that if that's your gift and everything, that's great. But, but really what our emphasis wants to be is connecting with people and engaging and really deepening a relationship with people around us, which leads me to one other little phrase, and that's conversations, not presentations. I think it's great if you have... Uh, memorize the four spiritual laws the Roman road or have some kind of apologetical kind of formula you use that that's fine and dandy but really 
what we're looking at here is more about conversation. So much more can come out in terms of outreach when it's not so much a polished presentation, but a real conversation. And, and, and let me say this, and I think this is one way that we're sometimes lacking uh, uh, among Christians, is, is, is listening. <laughs> one of the great ways to witness to someone is simply to listen to them. When you listen to them, they help guide you, they help lead you as to how you need to lead them toward the gospel and the church. Be a good listener. It's not all about you offering a presentation. Make it a real conversation and be an active listener. So find them, friend them. And finally, when you get to the right moment, that kairos moment, if you will, grace them. You grace them. And this is where the card comes in. You do something for them. I, I don't, you, know, you, you, you repair something for them or you make them cookies. You buy them a meal. Now, again, this is not the drive-through drive-by kind of giving to somebody you don't know. This is someone you, you connect with on a regular basis. In a lot of ways, that's more challenging than somebody you don't know, right? And who you'll never possibly even meet. But it's somebody you know. <laughs> and you do something for them and you say, hey, you know, I wanted to do this for you. And our church has an emphasis. I'm kind of doing this in part because of what our church does. And, and, and what I want to do is give you this card and it encourages you to pay this forward if you'll do something kind for someone else. And it does have our church information here, you know. And if you're ever interested in, in coming to church, we'd love to have you come along. And then on the back, I didn't even talk about this earlier, but based on what leadership uh, here gathered together, they basically synthesized it down into uh, five or six things that, that talk about how we as Brookwood connect effectively. And that's great. It's on the back our passion for missions, how we care for each other, intergenerational family, commitment to teaching and preaching, and an amazing interracial partnership with True Vine. And by the way, I called Ralph Garth and said, is that okay to use the word like interracial? He said, man, that's what we are. That's our partnership. It is interracial. So it's not just a, a spiritual thing. It's an, an intentional interracial relationship, which I appreciated him being uh, all about that. So again, you find them, you friend them, you grace them at the right time when you think it's the Kairos moment. And when you grace them, you give them this card. And you give that little presentation. You card them, okay? And I know that can be used in a negative context, but hey, you card them, okay? And then at some point, either at that moment or maybe even some later point, you do. Yes, you invite them. You invite them to church. You invite them to some activity here. That's all it takes. Uh, what you need to do is get rid of this within 40 days. Within 40 days, you're going to discern who this person is, who God wants you to find. Somebody can surely come to your mind. I hope that when uh, Blake had you do that and, and, and pray about whoever that is that came to your mind, I hope somebody did come to mind and that you're going to focus in on gracing that person in some way and gracing them with the invitation to come and be a part of our church, to be a part of Christ's church. I wonder how many times God brings someone in our path, you know, that we've got in our mind, but we get too preoccupied with our own agenda, we get scared, we feel it's awkward, but God is up there saying, but you're here. <laughs> you know, this is, this is who you are, and this is where you are, and this is your purpose. And this is the person you need to meet. This is the person whom you can be a, a shoulder for, a person whom you can be an encourager for, you can be a listening ear for. You can be the one who gives them something worth asking about and going to. You know, 
I think it's fascinating that just yesterday, like I said in Baptist Press, it said that's the big theme for this year among Baptists is who's your one? Well, that's great. Find your one and invite them, connect with them. And pray for God to lead you to someone. There's a second habit, though. Be present, yes, but also be prayerful. After Jesus tells the disciples that they are on mission and that the world is theirs, after he goes to heaven, they realize they need to spend some time to prepare themselves prayerfully. Look at Acts 1.14. This is just a few verses later. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She knew how important that was. Several other women and the brothers of Jesus. They all joined together and were consistently in prayer. Now, again, we have this 40 days of prayer. We hope and pray that you will be very intentional about that. That's why in a few weeks we're actually going to have a Finishing Strong luncheon where we really give our push because that's going to be the last week of this 40 days. And if we haven't reached that person yet, we want to give each other the strength and the empowerment to do just that. Um, I know a pastor and his wife in, in Kentucky, Dave Stone, and this is a prayer that they pray every morning. And I just love this because it really is their morning prayer that is all about connecting. And, and it's up here on the screen. Let me, let me just read it. They always pray each morning. On this day today, Lord, may we be on the lookout. May we be open and available to the people that you're going to bring in our path so that we will be awake and open to those promptings and leadings. Lord, give us your eyes, give us your ears that we might hear what you would have us hear, that we might see the needs around us that you want us to see. I think that's great. It might be a neighbor, it might be a co-worker, it might be a fellow student, it might be a relative of yours, but who would be your one? Be present, be prayerful, and, and finally, a final habit for connecting in the days to come, and that's to be praiseful. And just forgive me, I know that's a churchy play on words. Oh, how clever. I didn't know how else to put it, actually. So there you go. But, but you know, connecting with other people might seem either mundane or very awkward, maybe even fearful. But let me say, and let me put it this way, there's no better way to glorify God. And we gather together for worship to glorify God, but if you're outside the doors of worship, you know the best way to glorify God is to reach out to people, to connect with them. Even when it's awkward, even when you feel like, oh, I'm not making any, any progress, that's not yours to be concerned about. Okay? Oh, I've got to be as successful as this person over here because they brought somebody to church the other week. No, what you need to be doing is glorifying God. I've talked before about William Carey, the father of modern missions, who left England, took a boat with his family over to India. He did not have a convert in India for eight and a half years. And people asked him along the way before he finally baptized a new believer. And even after that, it took a long time for his ministry to really see fruit, but people would ask him, aren't you ready to give up? Aren't you ready just to surrender all this? And he would say, no, I am here. I am here. This is where God put me, and I am here to glorify him. And as long as I'm glorifying him, it's okay if nobody comes forward during the service. No better way to glorify God than to reach out and connect with people. Don't worry about the results. Enjoy the fishing. What, 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 Matthew 4, 19, is that the next? Yeah. Jesus called the disciples, come, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets uh, at once and followed him. Now, were they all about, we've got to get people in. We've got to catch. No, he says, go fish. <laughs> uh, not necessarily catch. God has something to do with that. I, 
have a relative named Patrick, and Patrick loves to fish. And when I would go out on a boat with him, especially when he was younger, he could sit out there for eight hours and fish. I'm not good at that. If I'm not catching something within an hour, I get, you know, fidgety, and I'm like, why are we, oh, this is fruitless. This is, why are we even still out here, bud? I'm still on the boat with Patrick, so I'm there for a long, long time. But even if we don't catch anything, he's fine with it. He just loves being out there in God's creation. He just loves all that fishing is about and just the act of doing that. Really, that should be the way we are as we are fishing for people. You know, God really is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who resides in us, who has a lot more to do with the catch, okay? If we don't catch somebody, that's okay. You know why? Because we're doing what God called us to do, and we're glorifying him. (laughs) If it takes you eight and a half years to reach somebody, that's okay as long as you are out there fishing. So let's get that mindset. He'll catch the people for us along the way. I I really appreciated recently, I, I was reading a book called Everyday Church, Gospel Communities on Mission, and and it's by Tim Chester and Steve Timmis. And they offer a wonderful theological summary of outreach that I think is very helpful. First, they say God is great, so we don't have to be in control. And what they say is we're all control freaks. We have to admit that. But God is sovereign. He has the power to save. And think about that. We're the connectors. God really is the catcher. Okay, We're the ones who fish. We're the ones that connect. Trust God that they will be caught in God's time. Secondly, God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. We're also at some level people pleasers, you know, and so we struggle with that, and we fear other people because of that when we don't need to. You know, God is glorious. We need to focus on fearing Him in a healthy way. Finally, God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. We've been forgiven completely by the one we have offended. That's great guidelines for us to follow as we reach out to other people. Who is your one person? Let me close with this one quote I heard from an evangelism professor, which I found interesting. He said, lost people are more amazed at our silence than offended by our message. I wonder if that's the 80% of people who are like, yeah, I'll talk with you about it. Isn't that really important to you? Why don't you talk about it then? Lost people are more amazed at our silence than offended by our message. The only failure in witnessing is the failure to witness. That's the only failure. It should be something we desire to give God glory. And even when that happens, God still loves you. Be present. Be prayerful. Be praise-filled. So we need to focus on that person and find them and friend them and grace them and card them and invite them. Who is your one? Let's pray together. Who is it that comes to the surface of your mind and heart and soul right now? Who does the Spirit lead you to as someone whom God is challenging you to reach out, to to fish for, to fish on their behalf? Not to catch them, but just, just to fish. Lord, we ask that you would inspire us uh, to return to Jerusalem like the disciples did. And after Pentecost, when the Spirit came in that profound way, and they realized that Jesus was within them and closer to them than he had ever been, and there to empower them to reach out. May we trust that you can do the same for us today. So teach us and empower us to connect with others these days who do not know you, who have maybe given up on the church or just kind of drifted away, but help us to reach them 
and to connect in ways that glorify your son Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.